Welcome to Build and Learn. My name is CJ. And I'm Colin. And today we are going to be talking about RailsConf and other ways for you to get involved with your own local and regional developer communities. I am super jealous that you got to go to RailsConf this year. I was really hoping to go. The timing did not work out, but yeah, I'm, I'm pumped to like hear how it went and hear about your experience giving a workshop because that sounds like it, it was a hit and it was packed and lots of people attended. And I know you and Chris worked really hard on prepping that. So curious to hear how that went. And also like, yeah, I mean, before we get into that though, I wasn't able to go because I've been taking a ton of time off and I was very, very AFK. And this is actually like the first time I went back on my computer in, in weeks. And so, yeah, it, it is so amazing to get offline. It's really refreshing. I think like a lot of people, especially in our industry, encounter burnout. I know for sure that I was burnt to a crisp, just kind of grinding it out for years on end and was ready for a break for sure. Going from one thing to the next thing, doing multiple things. I mean, us doing this podcast is an extracurricular for us. So, you know, I've, I've definitely been online enough for the two of us. So I, I'm appreciating that you got some time to disconnect a little bit. It sounds like hanging out with the kids, hanging out with the family. That, that sounds like a good time. Yeah, totally. And I'm, I'm reading this book right now. I think it's called The Nature Fix. And we'll put a, we'll put a link in the show notes, but it, I'm only like through the first couple major sections, but it's really interesting. And it talks about how there's all these studies in Japan and South Korea, even a couple of folks here in, they, they went out in Utah in the Moab desert, and they're researching how going out in nature can decrease your stress. And so one of the things was like, in Japan, they have this concept of forest bathing. Have you heard of this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so this is, it was, it was a new concept to me where you just kind of go out in the woods and like smell the trees and you snap a branch, you kind of like smell inside the branch and you just hear the birds and you hear everything. And so being spring here, everything like the snow just melted and everything is turning green and the birds are all, all over the place. And so it has been really, really, really rejuvenating. Yeah, like literally coming out of hibernation and like it's it's amazing how even just one season makes you like a, like we lose sight of those things and then it starts to be nice outside and you want to spend more time outside. Like even being in Atlanta, I was expecting Atlanta to be hotter than it is in Reno and I came back to Reno. It's like 80 degrees here now. Uh, oh, my like God. Perfect. So, yeah. Did you go? Did you get to go outside in Atlanta or were you kind I of? did. Mostly, okay. Nice. Yeah, I, I try to do this thing when I go to conferences or, you know, traveling by myself to new places where I tried to bring my running shoes and go somewhere. And so the conference was very much downtown in Atlanta, not what you just described, just the opposite of forest bathing. And so I found a cool market that I ran to, which was on the Beltline. And the Beltline is this awesome, like, project that they've been working on since 2005. It connects, like, 12 of their parks and two huge food halls and so i ended up running 12 miles on sunday before rails comp from food hall to food hall park to park like i just took my time i wasn't racing or anything i was just like running but there were like thousands of people walking riding scooters riding bikes you know just walking from food hall to park to the next park and never even seeing a car because you're just on this miles and miles of pedestrian walkway and it's very similar to the high line in new york city but more outdoorsy especially because you're in you know georgia and there's just like green everywhere and in new york it's like you're on the high line but you're still surrounded by sky rises you know high rises and things like that so 
it was pretty cool. I was not expecting to run that far. I just was like, okay, I'll run to the next one and then get lunch and then run back. And it just ended up being like almost a half marathon before rails comp. But <laughs> so do you, would it, was it like an out and back or is there a loop or it was an out and back? Yeah. So there was a little bit of like a sketchy car, you know, downtown car infested area that I had to get through. And then once I was on the belt line, I just kind of kept going and yeah, it was cool to see. Dang. That sounds epic. That sounds yeah. so cool. I was I know definitely been... taking notes because I was like, I want to bring, like, why don't we have this in Reno? Like, we should. Mm. Like, our river walk is not even this nice. It could be very mm-hmm. similar to, like, the river walk in San Antonio. So there is this thing that is new to me being, like, just just having moved, moved to the East Coast. It's called rail trails, where there's, like, old railroad track areas where trains don't go anymore, apparently. Mm-hmm. And they, like, fill it in with a paved yeah, walkway. Exactly. Is that? Okay. So It's one of those, yeah. Got it. Got it. Yeah. We, I mean, I didn't, I don't know of any of those in Reno. Right. And growing up in yeah. Reno Tahoe, like I didn't see any of that. And so here there's tons like all over the place. So that's something we've been trying to get out and see more of, yeah. but getting out on the bikes. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it was one of, one of our nature things. So we went out and we saw a bunch of friends and family. We celebrated my grandparents 70th wedding anniversary in San Jose a couple weekends ago. And despite growing up in, in and around Northern California, Northern Nevada, I had never been to Big Sur. Mm. And so we took the kids and drove our little rental rental car down to Big Sur. And there is this waterfall called McWay Falls. I don't know if you've seen this, but there it just like shoots out of the mountain at like, I don't know, 30, 50 feet up and it goes into the ocean. And oh, it's wow. one of the only like two waterfalls, apparently, I don't know, it's like in California or like on the West coast that goes like from the mountain, like into the water. And it is just mind blowingly beautiful. Like it was so, so, so cool to see. So yeah, got got to go do that. And all of these things are just chipping away at that kind of like plaque buildup of anxiety that you get over like years and years of just like cranking on content and, you know, stressing about work and kind of constantly being on and, you know, worrying about Slack notifications at 2am and, so yeah, yeah, kind of slowly whittling away at that. That's that's really good. Yeah, I think this is something that I've been trying to bring into my daily work. It's like for the amount of time that we spend in front of a computer, balancing it with time, you know, getting out on a bike, going on a run, whatever it looks like for you is super important because the computer will always be there. Work will always be there. You got to take care of yourself. And so, you know, having that balance it's great that you got to have like a full uninterrupted time of a break. But I think we can, if you can't take lots of time off, either try to find a job that lets you, but also try to find it every day because it's better to be a little preemptive and preventing the burnout than, than it is to, to like burn out and then have to go reset and start all over again every time you do that. So definitely feeling that, especially as it's getting nicer outside. Mm-hmm. more more bike things we need some like tech conferences out outside <laughs> totally yeah one one last thing about being outside there's this new thing called outside 365 that i just recently learned about and the goal is to spend at least or like to do one human powered mile per day outside mm-hmm. and there's a bunch of stuff about all the the health benefits but if you go to outside365.blog you can learn more about that that also is something that's really compelling and we're trying to do it as a family it's tough it's super tough to like line up schedules and weather and whatever but yeah, yeah going outside is important. i like that 
Cool. Actually, that kind of brings me to the idea there is actually an outdoor Rails conference coming up. Oh, Rails Camp. And that is in Hawaii. It's very much like an unconference. So there's no scheduled talks. I don't even know if that there's necessarily the need to bring a laptop. But that conference looks cool from just like wanting to hang out with your Rails Ruby friends, make new Rails Ruby friends and go to Hawaii. Nice. But, uh, RailsConf was not in Hawaii this year, sadly. And yeah, it was it was a bummer to miss you this year because you and I submitted the, the workshop talk together. And then sadly, we had to change things up there. But Chris and I had had a good time. We we learned some new tools. We actually were trying to figure out how best to teach a workshop format in, you know, it's a two hour workshop. So like how best do you teach when the audience is all different types of levels and experience and do they have to have rails installed and what version of Ruby do I need and all these different things. And so we created GitHub repo and we like worked very async on it because Chris was in Italy for like two weeks on a food tour and I was like doing some stuff at work. And so we were just like working on it when we could. And we ended up with like a very much like guided GitHub repo. So, you know, if you're curious how webhooks work in Rails, you can actually follow along with this without us having to talk you through it. But it was good to like be able to answer questions while we were going through it. And we used this tool called MARP to make our slides. And it was just kind of cool because we could just copy and paste the readme code into MARP and then generate slides. And I don't think I'm going to go back to ever using like a regular keynote or PowerPoint again, just because mm-hmm. like I always want to make all the slides look pretty consistent and it just does that for you because it's like, this is what an H1 is. This is what an H2 is. This is what a link is. This is what code looks like. And I uh, highly recommend MARP if you're doing any talks like in your company or, or whatever, especially because you can version control them too, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this looks dope. I think the... Any any time that you can write in Markdown when you're writing code, it makes it so much easier because it plays so nicely with GitHub and all the other things. So, yeah. And it works in VS Code. So you can preview your slides in VS Code while you're writing them, which is really sweet. Um, and then it'll generate the PowerPoint, the keynote, all that stuff too. So so was the workshop recorded or what's the best way for people to go consume, consume this after the fact? Yeah. So the workshops were not recorded and this was kind of like the tactics of going to a conference a little bit is that I think a lot of people wanted to go to the workshops and do the hallway track because a lot of the talks, most of the talks were recorded. And this is the tricky thing about going to a conference, right? You're spending time and money to go to a thing. Do you spend the time going to the talks? Having given talks before, it's very nice to have an audience when you're giving your talks. So like I try to balance between a little bit of going to a workshop that's not recorded. In our case, the workshops weren't recorded. Going to some talks that I really want to support the speakers at because, again, it's not great to give a talk to an empty room. And then figuring out, like, okay, there's like three talks during this hour. Which one am I going to go see in person? Which one am I going to definitely note down for when the videos get released? There were a lot of really good ones that are going to be coming out on YouTube later this year. So we'll put a link to the Ruby Central YouTube, but there were a lot of like, all four of these sound amazing. And I'm just going to make a note for the future because there was definitely some good stuff out there. As the barrier to entry kind of gets lower and lower for posting stuff on YouTube, I wonder if fewer people or fewer conference organizers will have like recorded talks and do more of the workshop style stuff because 
it seems that most people who can prepare for a talk could as easily do it in a video format. Does that, I don't know, does that resonate with you? So Andrew Culver from Rails SaaS and Bullet Train was talking about this because the problem is sometimes the environment and the recording setup is not awesome, right? As it's like when you have so many speakers and rooms and tracks, you just can't give it the same quality, right? And you can also do retakes if you do a pre-recorded video and things. So at Rails SaaS, they had a room where they recorded the speaker with like hair, makeup, amazing lighting, amazing background fully produced artifact that not only the speaker gets to have as a resume thing, but now you have this amazing thing that can be given, you know, later. And then the speaker gave the talk again live. I think that's a big ask for most speakers, but I think if you like what you just said, I think doing a pre-recorded or a really like maybe you don't pre-record it, but you have an amazing video recording studio where they the talks are recorded at RailsConf. But then there's more workshops. I will say the one thing that I missed at this Rails comp that seems like a miss, but I think that we'll, we'll talk about Rails World in a second, is there was not really like areas to hang out. Mm. And like we, we hung out where we could, and, but there wasn't like couches. Honey Badger had a lounge, which was like amazing because there were no other places to really hang out. Mm-hmm. I think Shopify and Meraki both had like some tables for people to do like pairing sessions and stuff. But you really kind of want to have, like, especially if you're going to go to a conference, it's like, okay, I want to, you know, pair on something. I want to check something out. There were some people demoing some of their new products that aren't out yet, stuff like that. Or even just doing a podcast, like having a podcast recording room, having a recording room for workshops, things like that would have been pretty cool to have because then you end up with all these like artifacts and videos and podcasts that come out of RailsConf instead of, the more ephemeral stuff. So that was that was just something I noticed as like running a co-working space. I think about like having these like facilitating environments where you want people to hang out. And it's like if you put a bunch of couches, some beanbags and some coffee, like people are going to hang out and chat. That's that's mm-hmm. what you want. Put some yeah. whiteboards in there and you're good. Nice. Yeah, I, you have definitely, a, I would say, expert level experience in terms of creating spaces where people collaborate given the the Reno Collective. And so I'm kind of curious to, if we pivot a little bit towards just generally growing developer audiences, I know there's probably a few more things we can sprinkle in about RailsConf as we go, but you know, maybe talking through a roundup of some of the things that you do for building community and, and then, yeah, in particular, one of those obviously being closely related to events. So yeah, I don't know. We'll, what are like maybe the the most important things people need to think about when building an audience or community more than an audience for sure? Yeah, I think the thing that I've been seeing is that people really are craving community more than ever, which is helpful because you can't really like fake this. You can't force people to come together, right? And the sad thing about that though is that we used to have more developer conferences, more meetups, like honestly, even pre-COVID, like 2010 to 2012 was like golden era of of this stuff. I feel like things have changed a lot. Like I feel like I've been to Heroku events. There was just like a Heroku coffee event. It's like, yeah, we're not going to have talks. We're just going to have a Heroku coffee bar. You know, it's very, you know, San Francisco, I guess. But there's that intersection of developers and coffee that's like hard to ignore, right? Mm-hmm. They just knew that like a lot of our engineers enjoy coffee. We enjoy coffee. 
let's just host, take over a coffee shop and just have developer conversations. There's no tracks, there's no talks, things like that. And those I think are things that people remember. And I think like that Rails Camp idea is a lot like that. We're mm-hmm. not gonna do workshops and talks. Those will just happen. Mm-hmm. People will talk about what they're working on. But people are really craving it, right? We saw that at RailsConf this year. People flew from all around the world to come together when, sure, we could talk in a Discord, but I want to meet you. I want to go to dinner. I want to hang out around you know, a meal and just chat about things. I'm not trying to turn you into a customer. I'm not trying to get you to work for me, those kinds of things. Those might happen out of those mm-hmm. situations, but they're not like a forced function that you're trying to make everybody do. Mm-hmm. You and I worked on a couple different local dev meetups when I still lived in Reno. We did Reno JS for a while and then we had the Dev Reno meetup. And when I think back, I think of you as being like the person in Reno who runs dev meetups. And so number one, like what is your motivation or like what is your underlying kind of like inspiration? For getting devs together we're obviously we're not getting paid for any of it right it's all like yeah. volunteer so like what yeah for you like what what was your reason i do ha- i have to sometimes wonder that myself and it always comes <laughs> back to like if i was in san francisco or a bigger city you would have more of these communities for us in reno we've just had a lot of people who will start a thing and then realize that it's a little bit more work than they anticipated or they're not being paid for it so they stop And for me, it's just that like, I want this community too. And so instead of hoping for somebody else to do it, I like to give it, you know, some energy to to make it happen. The tricky thing is, you know, I want to make sure that Dev Reno, like if I were ever not in Reno or if I didn't have the time to run it, how does it still exist, right? Mm -hmm. It's not a good sign if, if when I stop doing it, it just goes away. And I don't think that we've gotten there with DevReno. I think that the, the big thing with DevReno is it's all languages, all platforms, all experience levels. Because when we did have Reno.js and Reno.rb and Reno DevOps and all these different meetups, people were really just like, oh man, we only got like three people to come to the meetup this month. It's just not feeling like it's worth it. But at the same time, when you hear people going into the meetups and they're like 50, 60, 100 people, they're like, man, I really wish we, like just four of us could go to lunch. And the thing is, it's like everyone then looks to me like, oh, can you organize developer lunches? And it's like, no, you know, everyone go organize yourself. Mm -hmm. So we have the Slack, we have, you know, Meetup, we have Discord, we have all these different things. How do you get people to just go self-organize? And this happens at conferences, right? People end up going out to dinner and meals together and things like Mm -hmm. that. And it tends to be like, hey, social plans, like who's going to go do this? So for me, the motivation behind it is that I want to be a part of those things myself. Mm-hmm. I think it is hard to do them, even though from the outside, they they look easy. Mm-hmm. So it, it is a balance for sure, because I don't want to become like a cruise director where I'm like, okay, at nine, we're all going to be going over here to do this. And then the moment you disappear, everything just grinds to a halt. Yeah. So I can't remember which podcast I was listening to recently, but it was some venture capitalists talking about their sort of rules of thumb about investing in companies. And I do think of any sort of event, conference, meetup, whatever, is almost kind of like a company, right? Like mm-hmm. there, there is work to be done every single month to get people together. You have to go set up the meetup thing. You have to make sure that the space is set up. You have to maybe get a sponsor, get food, get whatever. And one of the things that the VCs were talking about was that they won't invest in companies 
that have solo founder. Like it has to be a real, real edge case for them to be open to investing in a solo founder company. Whereas if you have two, three, four founders, they're much more likely to invest because then you can sort of spread the workload a little bit more evenly. And mm -hmm. also there's like just a higher probability it's going to work out. And so I think in like the, the most recent iteration of DevReno that I was participating in, it was me, you and Andrew Nixdorf, like participating a lot. And so I guess like one big takeaway would be don't do it alone. <laughs> like don't yeah. try to stand it up alone. Burnout is real in communities too, right? So mm -hmm. like, especially if you feel like it's a thing that you need to turn into a money making, you know, initiative, things like that. I actually want DevReno to be like, we want to open it up more and run it more like an open source project. There's no reason why it couldn't, especially mm -hmm. for people who are early career developers. We need a website. We don't have one, right? It's mm -hmm. the the cobbler's children don't have shoes situation where it's like, we have a bunch of developers, but we can't self-organize enough to just build a website. And I don't have preconceived notions of what that should look like, but I'm sure, unfortunately, there's a whole bunch of people who probably do. Mm -hmm. So maybe we can help shape it, but then maybe this is a great first project for a junior engineer to, to work with a mentor, do some PRs, get PR reviews. It can be just a Jamstack site, doesn't have to be Rails, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. um, and we could, if we can scratch together some sponsors to help pay that person so they're not doing free work, then that's even better. Some people are happy to do this for the trade of mentorship and things, but if we can make it sustainable with sponsors, things like that, like, even the other week, someone was like, oh, yeah, you know, this would be much better if we had food. It's like, if we want food, we can make this happen. Like, yeah. I'm sure we can get a tools company to sponsor, like, you know, let's get a Honey Badger, an app signal, something like that to sponsor mm -hmm. the meetup and, you know, and trade for, you know, pizza or whatever it is. But I don't think pizza is why people come to the meetup. So mm -hmm. it's it wasn't important. Right. Yeah, I think the uh, for me, I remember wanting to talk to more people about Ruby in Reno and JavaScript. I, I mean, both Ruby and JavaScript, I was super into and still am. And I felt like a lot of the devs that I had encountered from IGT or from like these more corporate places didn't want to talk about code in the evening. Yeah. Like they weren't just like, they're just done. Yeah. They just didn't seem as passionate about it. And I was like, okay, there's, let's create a space that, people can come and hang out and I can geek out with them, you know, like, I mean, yeah. at home, I'm not going to geek out with my kids about this. And so, yeah, I think we, we have the same motivation that is just like, we want to create a place where we can hang out with other people who are interested in the same things we are. Yeah. And I think at the, at the bottom or like at the end of the day, that feels like a really solid place to start from when you're thinking about starting a conference or a meetup. Yeah. What are your motivations for like going to conferences or like, do you, do, is there a local community where you're at now for meetups and things? There is a bit of an online community, but I have to drive, I would have to drive about an hour to get to the more serious developer meetups, which I haven't done. I, I need to do it just to like get out and, and do that. But yeah, when it was in Reno and it was 10 minutes away, you know, yeah, just like popping offline and zipping down was pretty easy, but it's a bit more of a commitment. So I need to, I need to make the effort to go out and do that. But I, I did join a couple of like online meetups that were just local people, but they hang out over zoom and talk about Python or, you know, whatever next JS thing that they're geeking out on. So there are definitely 
there's definitely a, a community here that I have not like sort of cracked into or been participating in as much as I should. But when yeah. it comes to conferences, though, like bigger conferences, I think there's a couple different motivations. Like one is to see and hang out with my friends. And again, just to geek out about those, the same like tools and code and yeah, just kind of like be with like-minded people who are also passionate about the same technology that I am. I would say that it's also a great opportunity to network and meet other people who are in the same industry who you might be able to support with something that you know, or they might be able to support you with something they know, whether that's a job or just a connection to a person at a company who might have some inside knowledge about something that you're trying to use. Definitely. Yeah. It's also a way to get exposure to a lot of sort of the experts and the sort of giants in the space that you might not see otherwise. Well, and even at a conference, like I think I'm not sure how many people were at RailsConf, but the RubyConfs tend to be smaller or you have these regional events. Like I'll give a plug for if you're on the East Coast and you're into Ruby, Blue Ridge Ruby Conference is coming up in June. And that's being organized by Jeremy Smith and a few of his co-organizers. But like those are the kinds of small Ruby meetups that I miss. The the there was the Mountain West Ruby Conference. There was, I think, the next Ruby Conf, the official one from Ruby Central's in San Diego this year, later this yeah. year, and just love seeing that. I think the thing that was very interesting to see at RailsConf this year was there were panels and discussions with Ruby Central around how can Ruby Central help you, and vice versa. Like how you know what does Ruby Central need help with? Ruby Central runs Ruby Gems. They also run RailsConf, RubyConf. And so they're like, we want to help you, but we also want help knowing like, like how can we help you do in more conferences, more meetups, things like that. How do we help increase like diversity and, and inclusion at, in terms of are there time zones, are there countries, are there parts of the world that we're just not hitting? It was just too US centric, you know, RailsConf and RubyConf mostly happen here in the US, but there's also a bunch of really cool conferences around the world that happen. In fact, the Rails Foundation is going to be running Rails World, which is going to be in Amsterdam later this year. And I think the plan for that is to move it around the world. So it'll be like a traveling tour. You know, India does not have an official Rails conference, same for Australia. And there's a lot of people in both of those countries, but it's a big commitment to go from Australia all the way the RailsConf in the United States, like for a week or whatever it looks like. It's, it's exciting to see because I think we've been hearing a lot of people talking about Rails is dead, right? Mm -hmm. We hear that, I think, at every every year that someone decides to bang that drum. Mm -hmm. And part of it is getting new early career developers into the language, right? We can't just be hiring seniors and, and things like that. But I'm excited because like Ruby Central knows that, you know, Blue Ridge Ruby, what can we do to help them, right? And what can we do to help you know, DevReno is not Ruby specific, so it wouldn't make sense there. But if I wanted to get more involved, if you're a Rubyist and you want to get involved with Ruby gems, like great material if you're looking for a job for your resume, things like that. Mm -hmm. Volunteering at conferences, it puts you on a stage similar to like if you're a speaker at a conference that helps you to meet people. And like you nailed it with hanging out with your friends, right? For me, it was like a whole bunch of people that I knew on the internet. And now I can say we went to dinners together. We went on runs together. We did all this stuff together. And we have something more than just like Twitter conversations about work stuff that we can fall back on. And I think that's that's huge. Absolutely. Especially when building trust with these people who, you know, you might want to go on their podcast or they might want to come on 
this podcast or do a live stream together or, mm-hmm. you know, kind of it, it deepens that that trust in the relationship that you can continue to build on over time. There's also like so many conferences. I think one of the things that I was surprised by as a developer advocate was just the sheer number of conferences that exist across lots of different language language specific things. There's also, you know, framework specific things or even, I mean, like AWS, they have like, or company specific conferences. And so we've got some that are listed here. And I think there's also a bunch of different websites that you can go to, but yeah, I mean, how do you find the conferences you want to go to? Do you have a subset that you kind of narrow in on? I know for me, I like going to RubyConf and RailsConf because we get to go see friends. I also really loved going to MicroConf the year that I went to that. And then a a long time ago, I used to go to DEFCON in Vegas, like many, many years in a row. That one was like a super fun. I would love to go to DEFCON. Yeah, it's just like a party, (laughs) like huge, massive, wild party. And and that's like another, another thing is that depending on the number of people that come, it can be a wildly different experience. Like, you know, RubyConf is like, I don't know, 500, 600 people. Whereas DEF CON is like 10,000 or more people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, yeah, and it's going to be harder to find people. I mean, it, it, strangely, in a larger conference, it's harder to find small groups of people. Whereas like at a regional like Blue Ridge, I think Jeremy's aiming for like 150 people, right? And they're going to go like tube the river and go on a hike. And like, it's like awesome because you have this shared experience. Whereas at DEF CON, it's like if you go post like who wants to go to dinner, it's probably going to be like shouting into a void because there's just less of the shared experience. There's just too many people. So I take that into account. Like GDC, Game Developer Conference is a good example. It's lots of languages, lots of tech, huge conference, right? And same with, I don't know if WWDC is as in person anymore. I think it's been more shifted towards online, but there's the conferences where it's a company speaking at you with all their specific stuff. Those ones, I think I'll watch the keynote online. Like that's fine. I don't really think that that's the thing for me. But the startup weekends, the micro comps, the people building stuff, like those are really fun. So yeah, we'll definitely include a list here. There's definitely been a shift towards like conferences around your language and business. So like mm-hmm. Rails, SaaS, MicroConf, mm-hmm. less of like we're going to talk about the internals of Ruby and things like that. So kind of a little bit of everything for everybody. Yeah. There's even, I mean, All Things Open and that conference and GDC, or I can't remember what it's called, but there's just a bunch of just general conferences too, which tend to happen in really fun, cool places like a water slide park or like, you know, (laughs) Disneyland or wherever. (laughs) So I don't know. Lots of, lots of, lots of opportunity to go out and meet people who are into the same stuff that you're into. So totally. Yeah, I think this episode was definitely a little bit of a, like a palate cleanser from our more tech focused talks, but I think like the 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 CTA for everybody is to go look and see what what developer community you have in your local area, maybe in your state, um, if you can find something online, or if you can get your company to send you to a conference. I think I've found personally doing CFPs. I think we did an episode on this a while back on like how to apply to be a speaker. It's just such a game changer. Going to a conference by yourself is one thing. Going to a conference as a speaker means that you're going to have a built-in, you know, group of people who are going to come ask you questions afterwards. You can go hang out and get lunch, things like that. So I think it's a pretty important thing. This job of being online is, is not just about the work and the code. It's developing friendships and 
getting to meet people and getting outside even it's full circle to where we started do some some tech forest bathing <laughs> totally and i do come home from conferences often well number one like the all day seeing people is tough for me as an introvert and i do need to like go back to the hotel room and recharge but Oh, Coming absolutely. home from conferences, I definitely would always feel like this wind beneath my sails about like, oh, I saw so many cool things and met so many cool people that, you know, you get inspired and motivated and it's, yeah, it's invigorating. It's, I don't know, very different from forest bathing, but different, <laughs> yeah, different way to refresh. You might, sure. you might have to go do some forest bathing after a conference just to reset, but yeah, yeah totally. All right. I think that's the pod right there. So as always, you can head over to buildandlearn.dev to check out all the links and resources in the show notes. We'll see you next time. Bye.